Hi, Cultural Conversations listeners. Marcus Lund here. Today on the show, we talk with Hiram Chan, an international student from Hong Kong studying accounting at Brigham Young University. We will discuss the transitions he has made while coming into a new culture. Hiram, can we start off? What, what's your background? Where are you from? Uh, how did you come to the U.S.? How has your experience been here? So thanks a lot again for having me today to be with you. My name is Hiram Chan, and I'm from Hong Kong. I was born and raised in Hong Kong, and then I came to U.S. for the first time for school when I was 17 in Hawaii. I went to Bingham Young University, Hawaii. I went there for a year, and then I went to surf a uh, full-time mission for two years in northern part of California, and afterwards I transferred to uh, Brigham University Provo in Utah, this area, and that's uh, based the basic information of me. And how I transitioned from Hong Kong to United States is mainly like my family have influence to. It's because through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, my parents are members of it too, and also they want me to grow up in an environment that can experience not just for the culture in Hong Kong, but also have more diverse international experience. That's why they suggest me to go to BYU, and that's what I did. Did you have any influence from the U.S. before uh, coming to BYU Hawaii? Yeah, actually, I interact with some uh, missionaries in Hong Kong, which where they serve in Hong Kong, and they're from the United States. I remember the very first experience I lived with a couple of them for a little bit before. That for food, I really, first of all, I was really nervous to came to come because I saw how they eat. Some of them eat M&M for breakfast, like just <laughs> and with milk. They don't even put anything else, just M&M and milk, and then with a lot of peanut butter. So uh, they tell me that's what Americans eat for breakfast most of the time. So I was a little bit terrified, to be honest, and have the attitude that I'm going to get sick for really quick. And probably my weight will be quite different. <laughs> so that's what my first impression, like before I came to U.S., yeah. Have you ever tried M&M's and milk for breakfast? Oh, I probably should, but <laughs> at least say I'm more American culture, culture, but I didn't. Did you have any culture shock when you moved here to the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first thing I think is really simple, day-to-day thing, is just how we cross the road. Like here, when I first came to the state, like I was the only one that never looked at the light, just walk across it, uh, across it and I, I, people just look at me really weird. And I'm like, why are you looking at me weird? Does everyone do the exact same thing back home? Like they just, you have enough people, you don't need to look at the light, just all walk at the same time. I even give the term Moses it, because kind of you separate the Red Sea, you can be the one separate all the car. So that's how it works for me. But later on, I learned that's actually like really dangerous. And also it's really like, not obeying the law, the local law. So I changed and I become better. I look at the light before I cross. Did you ever have any uh, close calls when walking across the street? When yeah. it wasn't your turn to walk? <laughs> yeah, I I got honk a good amount of times <laughs> and definitely give me some remind, but I used to look at them weird also, just give me a weird face. But then later, also just my friends walk with me, just like one of my roommates like, hey, that's not okay. You should just stop. Otherwise, you got hit by the car. That would not be good. So you talked about um, M&Ms for breakfast. 
I don't know what they were thinking, but I, I've never had M&M's for breakfast. I wouldn't say it's really an American thing, but have you had any interesting food experiences go, um, coming from Hong Kong to the U.S.? Yeah. So, like, for us, I think not just in Hong Kong, in China, too, like, rice is predominantly, like, what we eat. We eat even for breakfast. We have something called congee. Basically, it's, like, rice soup. And I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner rice and it's really weird for me at first like here we have different type like of food you got subway for sandwich like back home we seldom eat just a sandwich for lunch we usually have something with either noodles or rice and also like i personally have never had mexican food before like burritos and tortillas tacos is really new to me so when i first ate it i literally separate everything i take away the tortillas and i just put the rice and the meats kind of like what i eat back home and sometimes i still do it like this but not in public because they would think i'm weird but first like if it's private situation i would just still separate the things (laughs) when you go back to hong kong do you ever tell like your family or your friends about the food here yeah, I tell them about the food, and they're all concerned that, like, oh, seems like U.S. food is easy to gain weight then because they're more sugary and more oily. So that's what they always ask me about. So how much weight do you gain since you came to the U.S.? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so what else was kind of weird coming to the U.S.? Yeah, I think one of, like, the most weird thing is how passionate um, Americans sometimes can be. As when I first came to the States, like people I met, they would give me a really like a big hug and then like shake my hands and then just like really passionate. To me, it's really weird because back home, we usually just knock our head or usually just like say hey and then just walk away. But here, they actually stop, give you a hug. At first, I felt like what they're gonna do to me at the time, <laughs> trying to like jump at me or something. Later on, I learned this is a way to be polite and to show passion is like normal in here. So along the lines of relationships and, you know, seeing people and giving them hugs, what has dating been like for you? What What are the dating differences between Hong Kong and the United States? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest difference, like Hong Kong will not like specifically ask people I want to date. We'll just hang out and just like be friends, really like in a big friend groups. Even though like we're considered the time as dating, we still just go out with friends and we're not like make it almost like a contract, right, Dang? like clear say you are my boyfriend i'm your girlfriend or stuff like that it's kind of like abnormal for us we just usually just oh you both people like each other and they'll just spend a little bit more time but they don't make things really clear or specify who what what's the role and things that's a pretty big difference did you ever experience anything where something is okay to do back in hong kong but it's not okay to do here so i think like academically one of like the biggest difference is most of the time, like back home for projects, we or like for some most of the homework, you can do it as a group, and you can do it with your friends. We always just divide and conquer. Even writing an essay, just you write a part, I write the other parts, and just put it together, and we submit it. But in here, it would consider cheating, in some sense. That's why, like, it's pretty different, like academically too. So let's go in a little bit more on academics. Um, what else did you see that was different between Hong Kong and the U.S.? Yeah, I think another major difference is how bold Ameri- Americans like students sometimes can be for asking questions. Like back home, more than often, the teacher just do his like lecturings and we just listen. We seldom ask questions, even though we have concepts, ideas we do not know. We just try to figure it out by ourselves. And if we interrupt our teachers or try to prove them wrong, it's really disrespectful. 
in contrast in here, it seems like they really try to get you to think and get you to talk in a sense. So when I first came to the States, I I was pretty shy, I have to say, in here. And then I seldom ask any questions because I feel like, oh, I don't want to be disrespectful. However, I le- later learned that like in order to be really participative, I have to ask questions, make sure like the things are right and on track. So that's pretty big difference for us because I would say more we're just listen and here is more like a discussion more interactive yeah, interactive yeah um do you see the same thing in the workplace i don't know if you had jobs when you were in high school back in hong kong or you know you've worked a lot here in the u.s <laughs> do you see that translate to the work force as well this you know you don't speak up to authority yeah i think the same thing happened back in hong kong too as i worked multiple jobs before i was a tutor and a like a big center and mostly when we tell students is we just give them assignments. We don't expect them to ask us questions. And try to we always tell them just figure it out yourself. And then we'll give them the answer if they really cannot like spend really for hours, but we still don't really explain to them. And in here, it seems like if you like we encourage you to just talk to your, your supervisors and also to your colleagues about questions. As I remember when I work at Deloitte, is they always tell me, okay, don't spend too much time in one project. If you have questions, always ask. Make sure you're on the right track rather than like you try to spend like a lot of time in something that you can solve in a couple of seconds. Was it easier being a tutor here or back in Hong Kong? I would say actually both is really interesting. It's like it's different audience for sure. Like back in Hong Kong, the goal is to get really good score. So comparatively, like, they don't really care about the concept. They just want to get the answer. Get the right answer. So in here, in contrast, they really want to dive deep and understand the concept. So sometimes so when I first start tutoring in here, I, I stumble because I, I might not know the concept really well. I you can know just the answer. get the answer really quick. So they will ask me the why behind the questions. And so I feel like that's interesting to me at first. So on that note, I would say, like, the Hong Kong students, they are less demanding, but American students, they actually encourage me to think, too. So I think both are really diff- different, so I would say. I know you weight lift a lot. I do. You're kind of a bodybuilder. Did yeah. you pick that up here in the U.S.? I, I do, I do. As back home, I, we don't even have the facilities that much. It's like the closest gym that we get is like considered like a decent size. I have to go at least like 20, 30 minutes to take the train and then walk and so that's why like i said i'm actually do it whereas here it's more convenient to emphasize having that like healthy lifestyle and culture like and that's how i pick up weightlifting in terms of sleep you know we always say like eight, eight hours a night would you say you sleep more here or in hong, or in hong kong oh absolutely here and here like actually i can do stuff that i enjoy more and also i can up new skills rather than just being book smart i feel like i can be learn more different things too and also have the sleep that we all want <laughs> yeah do you ever plan on going back to hong kong so that's a tough question first of all i think i uh, so i'm getting married <laughs> so my wife is going to be is a u.s citizen so she doesn't want to move outside the united states she doesn't mind to travel so definitely like a big big biggest factor is what does she think the person i look at a little bit different if you ask me is like nowadays we focus a lot of global citizen it's almost like it's not where you, like you live seems like you just stay there for a little bit of time but you have to travel all the time so i can see possibly we might not stay in one place for 
like really long amount of time. We might live in Hong Kong for a couple of years and then move to Singapore for a couple of years and then come back to the States for a longer time. Because I think that's like how the global business, the trend in towards to the globalization effects that you kind of sometimes have to move around. Mm -hmm. If you do go back to Hong Kong, is there anything that you want to bring with you um, from American culture? Yeah, I feel like the culture, there are three things that I really think I would like to bring back. The first is the, the culture of asking questions and actually dive deep into the why for doing things. It's just easy to understand the how, but missing the why would not help you last long. That's why I feel like I always constantly have the why. And the second thing I feel like is have a well-rounded growth as I want my family focus a lot, not just in school, not saying school is not important, but also different skills, but make sure they know how to manage their finance and also being having like a athletic, like a healthy lifestyle too. And those really important, have like a balancing success. And that would be a second thing. And the third thing is the ability to accept diversity too. I feel like US is really diverse place comparatively like in Hong Kong we mostly just people from Hong Kong we call it Hong Kongers <laughs> and here in the United States you see people from different wares like every places and it's really great that you can interact with them and learn about their culture and also truly like like be friends with them that's huge and not just being friends with your neighbors but being friends with your neighbor can come from Germany from a global citizen that would be fantastic so so are there any other experiences or that you want to share with us? Yeah. So one of the big thing too is public transportation, like about transportation. As back in Hong Kong, to be quite frank, I'm the only family member that know how to drive in both my father's side and my mother's side. That's why driving is really, really new to me. And back home, we'll really just take the public transportation and walk. It's not that far. But here, since like without a car, I live with my freshman sophomore year without a car. I, I know how you walk for miles to go get groceries. But as back home, you might just walk a couple minutes. You can buy something like to the store. That's why like driving is really new. And also like it's pretty scary to me at first. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the I can do car, like, any car accidents before. But I think I would say it's pretty challenging for the first couple, <laughs> for the first couple months when I first start driving. And just not really used to how many cars that like on the road and then like just how I need to be a driver not just sit sit for like in the public transportation so that's pretty crazy to me do they drive on the left side or the right side of the road back in Hong Kong they drive on the they so like the cars is it the same as the US or it's is it not different? the same it's reverse actually reverse, okay. yeah so it's like a little bit different so I haven't driven in Hong Kong yet and I probably won't because they always say like Hong Kong if you want to drive there you better be a really good driver and I'm pretty humble to say I'm absolutely not a good driver. <laughs> I'm just a surviving driver. So, yeah. Um, back in Hong Kong, I'm just kind of curious now. You know, I've read into Hong Kong real estate and how expensive it is. How, what is it like? I mean, here in America, you know, we drive cars. We have our single family homes in the in the suburb. What is it like in Hong Kong? Do people own houses or are they just renters of big apartment complexes? Oh, yeah. That's a really great question because in Hong Kong, it's really serious issues that like the housing prices is just too we really insane because like like we no one own houses if you own houses it's not millionaires you're probably more likely billionaires <laughs> you own a house because hong kong like i used to live on the 15th floor like now i'm like living the fifth floor i feel pretty good but then like now just look around i don't even see buildings that over like five floors that often here, here in provo in provo yeah so it's it's kind of new to me and also like 
many people actually complain about like they cannot buy a house or cannot buy apartments or rent apartment because it's way too expensive. So the problem would be like so many like people, even they graduate in their thirties, they still live with their parents, not by choice, but because simply you can't just find a place. There's some housing that in Hong Kong is sponsored and like subsidized by the government, but you have to wait. It's the first come first serve system. The last time I think my friend he they always tell them to apply, like in their twenties because you get them probably by your forties. So that's pretty insane. That's why like many people complain about like this like uh excess demand problem in housing in mm-hmm. Hong Kong too. So let's get back a little bit. You said that, you know, after graduation, somebody's like 30 years old, college graduated, but they're still living with their parents. Um, how big are those households? So like how many people are living in the same apartment sometimes? Actually, that is really good because like it's not just the parents and the one or two children and the grandparents more likely stay with them too. So it's easy. Maybe like you have six people live in a really small apartment and it's not uncommon because like my, my grand. My grandparents, both of my grandmas, still alive, and they're in their nineties, and it's usually they will stay with you. And back in Hong Kong, like it always, like your family, like your grandparents, always stay either really close or even the same apartment with you because of the housing prices and also because of the culture you want to take care of them. So that's why it's pretty, really tiny, really a small environment. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., it's kind of frowned upon if you live with your parents or, or something like that. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's because I feel like uh, affected by the Confucianism, like the Chinese culture heavily affected. It's like you don't, when your parents get older, you don't want to live far, even travel farther because you have the obligations to take care of them. And this is what you should do. That's your duty. And it seems like in U.S. here, and if you still have your grand, like your parents stay with you and we're like older age, it seems like you want to take benefit of, from them or stuff. It's always really different. But back home, it's really like it's your role to actually take care of the family. And also, it's really interesting, too. On the other hand, like, usually, like, the, the parents don't want their kids, like, leave after, like, 18. Seems like 18 years old. Seems like here, the norm is, like, okay, once you go to college, you moved out, and that's it. But back home, also, like, they want you to live really close. Even though it's not, not in the same apartment, then you want to live closer. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it shows that, like, a family kind of bonding can always be together, that concept. And you look at Chinese culture, how we say our names, it's really simple. We never say our first name first. We say our last name first. Because family is first and then ourselves. So that's like a huge, a little bit different here. Um, even if, you know, housing was cheap, they would still live together or relatively close to each other. Yeah, correct. That's really cool. <laughs> so um, recently, I think in the past decade or so, mm-hmm. you know, Hong Kong was under British rule, right? And now yeah. it's kind of transitioning back to China. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Hong Kong and the political landscape of of East Asia? Yeah, definitely. So I think like if you ask people generally in Hong Kong from Hong Kong, they really like saying like they rather have the British government as rulers compared to the Chinese government because they will say like you have more freedom to do things. And here it seems like they always have like a lot of worry since 1997, July 1st, that Hong Kong skipped back to China. And people worry. Actually, like in those times, many people Im- immigrants out of Hong Kong. They go to Canada, United States, Australia, England, all those places because they really worry about the Ch- what the Chinese government would do. And also, like n- like nowadays, we like look at if you ask like the college students, they really anti Chinese government. In fact, I think a couple of years back, they have a really big protest in Central, which is like the almost like the capital of Hong Kong, 
and then like they all just don't go to school. Almost like school shut down for a while. They just complain and just like protest in there. And I I don't have a stand saying they're right or wrong, but definitely you can see like the people definitely like miss the British government, but at the same time like they really want that's they really want their own independent in some sense. They always just say like they rather Hong Kong be independent. So that's why it's really serious. Like have some conflicts. Mm-hmm. Were your fa- was your family thinking about leaving Hong Kong back in '97? They definitely have thought about it, but they also. Well, this is like like go back to like the family thing. It's like my grandparents never want to move, so as my parents, they do not. They should like they need to have the obligation to like help them and to serve them. My grandparents too, so that's why even they have the thoughts, they never do. So like here in the U.S., sometimes you know family members are very concentrated in like one state. Uh, for me, example, like a lot of my family members are in California, but we also have family members in Oregon and all the way across on the East Coast in North Carolina. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have any family members? Are they all from Hong Kong or do you have family members like distant cousins in mainland China? So actually only one of my aunts is living in Australia. That's okay. because after 1997, like I said, the yeah. and so like, she left. She left with her family. That's the only one. And most of us actually we live really close, like relatively, it's within like 20 minutes. So that's like my whole family like my uncle my aunts live really really close so do you speak cantonese or mandarin yeah actually i do speak both and i would say like most of people from hong kong they speak cantonese as their first language main language but we understand mandarin it's because like the cantonese nine tones is based on the mandarin's four tones so we understand really well and and we can speak it decently well too i would say so most people in Hong Kong, they'll understand both. Yeah, and they can speak both too. Got say. it. What about like somebody from Beijing oh. who knows Mandarin? Do they know Cantonese, or does it not work that way? Uh, it doesn't work reverse. It's because like like I said, Hong uh, like Cantonese is based on the nine tones, uh, which like from the four tones of Mandarin. So if you understand Mandarin only, you only know those four tones. There are five more you do not know. So it was sound really weird. They can't even guess sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you were kind of lucky in that respect. I, I feel lucky, yeah. <laughs> Would you ever... Um, so you're a Chinese citizen. Correct. And are you thinking about becoming a U.S. citizen or... Yeah, personally, I, I definitely think about being a U.S. citizen too. Like, because like my... my f- fiance is u.s citizen and also like i'm more likely to stay in the u.s for longer like a longer period of time so definitely yes and my parents like now since my grandparents getting like both my grandpa passed away my grandma's in the 90s my parents mentioned maybe in 10 years or so they might consider to move to u.s to be close to be with to you too so is there anything that you miss from hong kong the thing that i miss in hong kong uh apart from the family I have to say the food, I like, really like the food. There are like lots of different cultures too. Even though I mentioned earlier we don't have Hispanic food, but I would I would say like I I miss the food there, like the street food, like comparatively it's like show like the local culture really well, and also it's how I grew up, and I feel like I miss the food, and I also miss the interactions just with people. Sometimes here like almost. But here, people are more blunt. Back home, people are a little bit more polite. <laughs> Comparatively, you can say they might not be as direct. But I feel like it's still different ways of culture. I, I miss interacting those ways, too. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, Hiram, for being with us. Yeah, thanks a lot. 
For more information about global business and culture, visit www.internationalhub.org and be sure to subscribe to our podcast.